everyone, this is Tony Holbein from Groblox. You are listening to the Super Revenue Brothers with Raru and Tony. In today's episode, we are discussing that you shouldn't be building your business for VC. Some of us are doing it, but in this episode, we talk about why this is an obvious trap and what you should be doing instead. Enjoy. Hey, Raul. So, um... I broached a pretty interesting topic on LinkedIn the other day and it kind of blew up. So that's why maybe it's worthwhile to also kind of pull it into this conversation and talk about it. And really the topic is about us founders building what you VCs want. And that just being the wrong thing. The setup is almost, it's called Goodhart's Law. Let's just say you're in the city and you have like a, a mice problem. I don't want to say a rat problem, but a mice problem. And uh, basically kind of the city council decides, okay, for everyone that gets us a mouse, we will pay a bounty, right? This has been done, not with mice, but, you know, has been done with like ro other rodents and all. What has happened in reality is that citizens were like, okay, cool. Yeah, no, let's help, you know, you know, get rid of the infestation. But um, they started breeding mice. <laughs> basically, you put out a bounty, you want to, you know, eliminate that problem and you want to incentivize behavior that basically kills and helps you with this, but it's doing the exact opposite. And I think actually this is what happened to uh, us and, and VCs to a degree, right? Because what VCs has been doing, and, and rightly so, I don't even think it's stupid or anything like this. It's just, you know, both, you know, the city council and the citizens, they both were well-intended actually. But what VCs has been doing is like, hey, I want to see crazy growth from you like year over year crazy growth. I want to see super high net retention. So an NRR is super important for me. And I want to see a rule of 40. So, you know, your growth and your burn kind of need to level out, right? Mm. What we then have done, right? Because it's whatever metrics you give anyone, people will find out ways to mess around with that metric, right? So what we have done for the year over year growth is basically what's currently considered growth at all costs. Doesn't matter if it's profitable, doesn't matter if this really works. If it gives us one more click, one more download, one more customer, we'll do it, right? Kind of this whole, just do it for whatever reason versus what's actually the smart and the right thing to do. Number two, on net retention rate, um, what people started doing is they're basically just hacking it. So I think it's, a, it's, a, it's called a hacking and you know everyone can do it right now, so I'm kind of okay with this. But basically they go out and it's like, hey, so I have usually 25, 30K ACV um, and I'm just going out tailing a product, tailing an offering that I can sell for 5,000 ACV. And then mm. I know, and the customer knows, in a month from now, in two months from now, in six months from now, they will need to upgrade to the 25K ticket. What do I have here? I have 600% net retention rate, baby. Let's fucking go. Or the other thing that many people have been doing to their detriment is kind of just increasing prices all the time, like also on the installed base. Great way to grow the business, but you know, up until the point, both of these things in order to push up your net retention rate. And then, you know, last thing, rule of 40. Basically, people have been, um, okay, cool, that's a thing. I need to kind of adhere to this. So where do I get the money, especially if I'm burning all my money on growth at all costs with sales and marketing? Where can I take it away from? Oh, product. Let's just underinvest in product. Let's kind of build less of what actually needs to be sold so I can, you know, do the other, you know, get the other check marks. That's what we've been doing for a really long time. Number one, I want to talk about this, but the problem is, the problem with this whole setup is, so, you know, the market's imploded. The VCs were kind of you, Raul. You were sitting <laughs> yes. there. 
and thinking mm. like, oh, look at this. Our customers, which are basically public companies and the public markets, our customers, they actually want to see something else now. They want to see profitability. They want to see efficiency. They want to see sustainability. So let's kick off a week-long project and sit down and really think hard and rewrite our investment thesis. Kind of what, what are really the, the things that we want to see in, in those organizations? And, you know, we want to see those three things. What then though happened is for us founders who live in reality, you know, it takes us a little bit longer than a week to just move our business around. It actually takes us two years or something like that, right? To realize, okay, uh-oh, tune has changed like fundamentally. And then once you realize that, all the adjustment or everything you need to build around in order to kind of try and move the whole organization to kind of point in a different direction. And many of us have gone broke kind of in the process, by the way. Um, and and that's kind of the that's kind of the the effed up thing, I think, that has been kind of going on for now like one or two years and people maybe are not seeing it like this. And if there's any end of that story, I think the end of the story is no matter what these investors are telling you now on the past or in the future, stop optimizing for them. Start engineering for the customer and if you do this really well and it's really hard also, you will be optimizing for both, right? Your investors will basically then also love you if you do this. Basically, you know, kill kill the mice and, and mm -hmm. don't start breeding them. There was a lot in there, Tony. Now, I know you have thought about this uh, topic a lot. And uh, I, I have seen basically everything that you're talking about in, in different iterations. Yeah. Let, me, let me start that off with... By the way, I know you're interested in economics sometimes too, and I did actually study economics and found that much more useful and think about that a lot more than business actually. And yeah. so this could also be seen as sort of a, I don't know if you know the market of lemons, adverse effects theory, as mm -hmm. in so adverse selection, basically you're doing something where people mm -hmm. are self-selecting themselves out of your uh, target. Yeah. And I was thinking about that sometimes from the VC side. It's like, okay, if people really, if are these investments any good if people let us invest in their business? And, and buy part of their business. If they were as good as they claim, then they probably wouldn't let us do that. But then they need money. So it's they're sort of in a conundrum too, right? So, And I found that the sweet spot of what actually is where you really want to invest in is not the companies that sort of try to self-select themselves into your target audience by fulfilling exactly, mm -hmm. for example, these criteria. There's even more, by the way. There's a, If you're sitting on yeah, the VC side, and again, I was not an investor, but I was sort of still seeing quite a lot. There is a, you do see that there's a ways that are spreading themselves where people sort of try to signal I'm a VC worthy investment, right? So there is a certain way of communicating. There is a certain mm -hmm. way of building a pitch deck. There is a certain way of trying to even get to the partners and all that stuff. And so what you see is, is if you do that for a little longer, is that those are not necessarily the businesses that make a lot of money or that, that are very successful, right? And, and that almost always, however well they try to self-select themselves into your view, the businesses that are successful, yes, there's randomness in it. And yes, like all these ratios, they're not incredibly irrelevant. What matters is building a solid business. So <laughs> the solid businesses yeah. with almost always, and if you, I mean... Very ad hoc, but if you ask me, like, what are the most important things? It's probably the team and the product, and then sort of in some mix there, how do you go to market, right? So with the best idea of yeah. the customer, with the best idea of how to go to market, with the best product and the best team, or building the best team, are almost always the businesses that sell, right? So I would say mm -hmm. what what has happened, and there is a lot more to go deep into that, but 
I think I think it goes both ways, by the way, because you framed it a little bit about, oh, this is the bad Mr. VC is sort of forcing these numbers onto me. And now that's why I have to fulfill them. Yes, sure. That's one way to look at it. And there's some truth to that. What also happens, though, is, man, I was I've worked and actually really worked with not just talked to once a year or something. I've worked with at least 50, 60 founders in the last six years. And they're all great people, really smart, really brave and all that. But they're almost always very scared. And they almost always want to know all the benchmarks and all the ratios. And is this a good conversion rate? Is that a good conversion rate? So they also have this need for sort of reference points. And then they look to Mr. VC and they ask Mr. VC, hey, what's a good growth rate to have? And the Mr. VC says, well, this business that was successful had this, this business had that. And so that's what they aim at, right? So it goes both ways. A lot of the time, this also because the founders need to satisfy their own need for sort of security. So on the back of that post, a couple of people reached out. It's like, yeah, you know, we're also bootstrapped just like you, right? And, you know, you know, F those VCs. And it's like, no, I actually have, VC, have a lot of VC money. Maybe I have too much of VC money, actually. And for me, it's not about um, it's not about bashing the VC side. You know, when you think about Goodhart's law, it's not the city council that's stupid. The city council wants to get rid of the mice because it's an infestation, it's a, it's a, it's a bad problem. Um and uh, then they need help. And, you know, then they need to want to incentivize that help, right? Kind of that is the same thing that's happened with VCs and founders. Both parties actually have the right idea. But what is then a problem, and it's not like every single citizen started breeding mice. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not like everyone is kind of, you know, retarded like this, right? Um, but the problem is that if you go too deep into this rabbit hole and basically start reaching into the actual operation of the business to tweak something to make it look better for this other thing over there, which is your, your venture capital, your VC, that's actually the problem, right? Because the VC, mm. they wanna, they always wanted to have great businesses and they basically kind of see like, well, you know, they see it the other way. Well, if you're growing that much, if you're upselling that much, if you are so efficient in doing it, you must be a great business, right? Um, and and then, you know, the, you know the, the way this is then being kind of turned around, it's like, well, I can actually be a shitty business but still try and, you know, show those numbers mm. because the stuff that is at the core of what is a good business, you it's very difficult to put this in real numbers, right? It's, you know, to your point, it's, very, you know, assess the quality of the, sure, yes, you can go through the LinkedIn stuff, but try and benchmark that across, right? C kind of try and create a, a number for a team and then say like, oh, this team is better than that team. Very difficult to do. So what do you do? You take some, some hard numbers. Same with product. Is it a good product? Is it not a good product? How do you assess that? Well, let's take net retention. That feels like a good way to kind of guesstimate how good the product is. Is that true though? No, it's not, right? And I think this is um, this is where we kind of founders and kind of you know leaders of those teams are basically kind of tweaking stuff around, doing the wrong thing, not building a solid business in order to then, you know, Yes, attract more venture capital to stay alive, you know, fight another day and so forth. Yeah, man, but but that is one way of doing business. And what you just said was very coherent if you're one kind of founder. And mm -hmm. I, so, you know what I like about you, Tony? Like, as a founder, so one thing that I really appreciate about, appreciate about you, um, I never said this before, I think, is that you wow. actually believe that what you're doing there needs to be done. Right. And so you're yeah. building something. Maybe you want to build a successful business. I don't even know all your motivations, everything. But I do know that you do think that what Growblox is doing needs to be done. And so you also think that you're capable of doing it and the people around you. And so you go out there and do it. And 
this why, why is this why, how does this relate to this topic right by the way these are my like if if i found something which is very likely this year by the way then it will be something that i believe needs to be done and that i believe i have a unique advantage mm -hmm. in in doing because otherwise it wouldn't be me doing it yes. or it should be someone else because the world should be, it should be done by someone else so you're doing this because yeah. you think you have to do this like you as in tony can do this better than most people and you have to do this thing over other things why do i say that so if you want to raise vc money The funny thing is, it's like in dating, like everything in life is like in dating, right? So there is this set of rules and set of standards that a VC has, like you need this ratio and we need this kind of thing and that kind of thing. And you think that they apply this to all the ventures, but they don't. Like they apply this to you if that's the game you play, but that's probably not the game you want to play because if you optimize for these numbers, as you said, then maybe you don't build a great business, you build something that VCs want to invest in. But they do apply these rules to nine out of 10 investments. But then once in a while, an investment comes around that doesn't fulfill almost any of these requirements, but still gets a 50 million valuation at seed and, and, and they, they invest as much as they can because they believe so much into that business and so much into that founder and so much into whatever their track record or whatever they're trying to do or the track record of the market or whatever it is. And so what I'm trying to tell you is basically there's two routes, right? So route number one is check off all the boxes and take checking off the boxes for themselves as a, as a stake in itself which is not necessarily the way to build a good business, but at least the way to sort of check off the check marks of a VC and get money. Or actually go out there and build a great business that is so obviously great or has potential to be great that the VC is throwing out all their, uh, their, their, their criteria and is just thirsty to invest and, and they're all running after you, right? Basically, that's what it is. Mm. Or at least one VC yeah. is that because all you need is one VC at the end of the day. You don't need 10. Uh, one is enough. And I would much rather prefer you do the second one because coincidentally, and this is the funny thing, right? This is the businesses that almost all the time produce the numbers that VCs are looking for as well, or even better numbers. And that's actually how VCs reverse engineer to come up with these numbers in the first place. Yes. That now everyone is going out there and taking us gospel. If that makes no, sense. No, but that's no, no. This is exactly what it is, right? So the the thing is, right? It's um, you're trying to explain. Uh, you're trying to quantify something that's hard to quantify. That's that's actually the issue, right? Kind of that's really the problem here. And then you look at those outlier businesses and you look like, oh, what is what is so outlier about them? Oh, look at that. They're growing really fast. They have great net retention. They have, you know, mm. these things that are really great. Why do they have them? Well, they have them, you know, we can be very esoteric around it, but let's just say they have a great product that has, you know, fit fits the market, product market fit. They have a great team that executes like fucking hell, right? Um, that is what's driving these, these results and outcomes. And by the way, and not insignificant margin of luck, right? Kind of that also kind of plays a role, I believe. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Um, and, and that thing is, and I think we're actually saying the same thing here. So now that you kind of take those, um, those you know, quantifiable pieces and say like, oh, this looks like that's the template. You need to hit those things. My point is you can't hit those things without building a great product and team and, and being lucky. You can do it also in ways where you kind of just optimize the business to achieve this while, you know, making it worse, a worse business basically, right? And the, the whole thing here is um, not only did we now wake up to this new tune because this tune is basically kind of, this is what it's telling us, kind of just, just go out there and build a fucking great business, please. Don't, you know, not, <laughs> not all this other crap, just build a good business, please, right? Because if you do... You'll go public. You'll be, you know, successful. You'll be a super valuable company. Um, and then the how do you build a great business is not how do you attract the next VC. 
It's how do you attract the next customer and keep that customer infinitely. Um, and that also will be how you're going to attract the next VC, right? So the, the focus needs to, and I think it has now because, you know, lack of alternatives has shifted very much to the customer, which I think is the right thing. It's, it's the right thing. And as a result, um, as a result, you probably will kind of end up, you know, also getting the right VCs on board and maybe even better valuation or whatever it might be, right? Do you, um, so, and if you, if you now take a contrarian view on this, I think it is a lot harder to build a solid business than it is to kind of try and attract a VC. Let's just say it like this, right? Especially there have been a lot more VCs in the last 10 years than there have been before. There's a lot more money out there. Things are kind of mm. changing right now, I believe. Um, I had a I had a conversation with a VC kind of the other the other day, and um, you know, she was like, "Hey, Tony, I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure if I'm going to be here in five years." Um, and her point was actually, "Sure, you know, Sequoia, uh, Andreessen Horowitz, Index, Excel, you know, there will there will be big firms and good firms that are attracting kind of the the, the right kind of companies, but um, really outlier companies, you know, is." She was basically saying, I'm not sure it's a, it's a, it's this cotton factory that we all hoped it would be, right? You just kind of give someone a million or two million and then they're going to build something great and then you give them another and then they're going to go IPO. Um, there, there's a little bit of like, hey, is this is this playbook that, you know, the, the industry, and this is VCs and founders have been playing, does that actually still work or did this change now, right? And the and the the reason for that to think is public markets are back to six x. You know, it's much much more difficult to kind of you know you know run a good business and kind of get to this and so forth. What's your what's your view on that? Actually, how is that whole VC game going to develop? Oof, that's a that's a good question, man. And so you said something very 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 interesting there. Is so all this process of we call that in German the Brautaufhübschen. I don't even know what that means exactly yeah. in, in English. Yeah, but putting this whole process on a pig. of yeah, oh yeah, putting lipstick on a pig. Thank you. So this is, and I don't know. Have you been a part of companies that have sort of tried to go IPO or have gone IPO? No, unfortunately okay. not. No, it is exactly like that as well, right? So so it's there's sort of at least twice in the lifetime of a successful company that that IPOs. There is this process, and maybe even more when you're trying to raise money, where you're always putting lipstick on a pig, right? And so in, in the act of an IPO, man, it's the same thing times 10. So it's, it is wild what companies are doing. Have you been part of a company that sort of... Uh, so the public markets are behaving the same way as a VC, right? Have you been part of a company that sort of has been trying to... Or has been just acquired by a private equity company? If you have, mm -hmm. it's exactly yeah. the same thing, right? So they, they call them in Germany the vultures that go in and they fire people and all that. So yeah, it's yeah. almost always the same thing. It's trying to correct some numbers and getting them to a certain stage to make the business attractive to the next person to pass the business on to, right? Yes. You but I think, I think, yeah, and because I'm, I'm not... And maybe there's a fine nuance here, right? Yes, you should be putting your best foot forward. You know, if you're in a if you're in a sales process, and it's a sales process, you know, attracting a new investor, that's a sales process. Both yeah. ways, by the way. The VC is also selling them to you, by the way. If you're going public, you're selling to the public market for them to like, hey, I want to invest in this thing, right? It's a sales process and it's in as in dating, you know, you shave, you show up, you put on a nice shirt. I mean, you know, that doesn't mean that you always shaved and always put on a nice shirt. It just means like you're putting your best foot forward. And I think that's actually a fair game. I think it's absolutely fair game. I think where it goes wrong if, you know, where you kind of work your whole runway. Let's just say you kind of raise cash. You have a runway of two years. 
where you work your whole runway towards, you know, being able to look like you shave every day, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah that's, and there's a difference, right? If you yeah. shave for the date, that doesn't mean that you change your entire persona, your entire life around that and that one yes. date. Yes. Right? So you still have your life yes. and then you shave for no, that exactly. day and maybe you yes. put on a shirt on. Right? I, and I agree with you there. Now, VCs are not as dumb as everyone thinks they are. And especially, maybe some are, but a lot of them are quite smart too. So they know that too, right? So there's also this funny game where like, we know that because there is this number out there, you're trying to reach that number. And so we almost, and the funny thing is, there's companies coming who reach exactly those numbers, sometimes exactly those ratios. And then you go out there and be like, hmm, well, how did they reach those ratios? Let's look a bit lower than that, right? So th that's a bit more sophistication. And so I would say, if you're so, trying to go the route of just satisfying those numbers, at least be prepared to not make it as obvious if you fucked around with the numbers a little bit or if you, like, because we sees are sort of, it's a catch, it's a mouse and, and cat game, cat and mouse game. Yeah. Uh, VCs are becoming smart enough to ask those questions right now. So I think, you know, let, you know I'll get this Groblox thing public and it's going to be a big success. And if I still feel the need, I need to work. You know what my second career probably is going to be? I'm going to be me. the GTM due diligence guy. You know, I'm going to be the guy that VCs call up and say like, hey, look into this company and I'm telling you, I will be hated by every single company on the planet because I'll go in there, I'll call bullshit on the whole thing. I'll sniff it out. If I see something that's working, I'll obviously say it's working and so forth. But, you know, I've, I've done all the tricks myself, kind of when we were like, not IPO, but, you know, we were, I exited two companies, right? So uh, this is one thing. And then number two, you know, through Growblocks, I've just, you know, you just see it all. It's, it's all there. It's all the numbers. You know, it takes mm -hmm. me, you know, when it's in the, in the app, it takes me like five minutes to see like, ah, this is where it's, that's where it's, the whole thing is fucked. That's their problem. That's not going to scale. Right. And it's like, um, you know, you kind of, you create that knowledge. And I think, um, uh, I could probably kind of make a lot of money by helping, you know, folks to do go to market do due diligence and help them at least to get an actual picture of what the risk is. Right. Because I think the, the highest level of go-to-market due diligence I've seen so far is someone downloading, uh, you know, Salesforce, get a Salesforce export, and then trying to figure this stuff out. It's like, forget about it. That's that's not going to get you anywhere close, you know, of the understanding that you need to have in order to kind of make the right decision, right? And all this financial due diligence stuff, sure, kind of do that. It's not going to tell you anything about the future, like zero. It's the go-to-market engine that you need to understand, assess. And if that works out, then, you know, go ahead and make the investment. And by the way, caveat, I don't think this is a seed or series A thing. This is like once you have a go-to-market engine, then you, there should be kind of a due diligence around that. And it's like, what mm -hmm. is a series B, series C, D, go public kind of thing. Um, so that's, you know, that's going to be my, my, what my second or third, that's my third career then, you know, I'll, I'll do that. Man, you, you, you just partly described my last six, seven years. So th that was my job to a big extent. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I had this part, like, and I was also involved sometimes in, in sometimes yes, sometimes no, in, in new investments. And I was, I was sort of doing what you're talking about. Um, funnily enough, we still invested, mm. right? So the, the fact that alone that you're doing some due diligence doesn't mean that you don't invest anymore, but it means that you're trying to ask those no, kind exactly. of questions. And so, so it, it's like, Okay, how are they I, actually going to market? And and the investment team would be like, okay, what do you think their problems would be in sales? And then for the ongoing portfolio, it's yeah. the same thing. Um, so at, at least th there was one person who had that job. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, so um, still you evaded the question. Are VCs going to be around or not? 
uh, or as many uh, or you know why not and you know what's the yeah i think for sure vcs will be around just logically because startups need money and startups will probably be around and what i do hope mm. by the way is is that we try but it's hard to say because like i always have this wishful thinking about how the world should be we try to sort of unbubble this world a little bit and and make it more solid um because so what i described to you before which is putting lipstick on a pig all the time for for passing it on to the next person i really don't like this uh trying to trying to play a game of hot potato that we that we have sort of done over a while mm. um where you're always mm. like it, it like everyone's trying to make money off the next person buying the thing that they know is not as solid as they as they say it is and nobody wants to be the sucker who holds mm. it in their hand last and burns themselves right i think we're not yeah. we're trying to get away from that and in a world where that happens there's still even then like so the a vc doesn't need a bubble or sort of a a ponzi scheme or a hot potato world to work right at the end of the day it's about providing capital to an asset class that is very underserved or that is that is difficult to serve and doing so in a business yeah. model that can provide a lot of gains and that has been going on for actually I don't know how long we how old VC is that would be interesting but at least probably 50 60 years or something 80s um 80s it 80s. started yeah yeah um okay so that's 40 mm -hmm. 45 years almost 50 um so I think that will go on for mm -hmm. sure what I do think will change and this is what I was sort of hinting at is if you did look at and I mean, Germany is different than the U.S. Like, you can't put everything into one into one uh, basket. But if you look at the people who actually are behind VCs, because you talk about VCs, VCs, like they're almost always it's a couple partners who almost give the entire direction. Like Project A was a bit different, but then almost all VCs, they're just a couple people who really talk about like how this thing is going to move forward. Um, very rarely these people actually have built businesses, and especially in the VCs that came in a second wave mm. after sort of the dot-com boom bubble. Um, the first ones, yes. So mm. I think Ben Horowitz, he founded a business, but he probably didn't found a business in the time yeah. in the times you're founding a business in right now. So it's very hard for these people to relate to what you're actually doing. And so if you look at the VCs that are operating right now, and that are operating right now means they probably have funds that are 10, 15 years old. They were founded after the dot-com bubble, probably. A lot of the times, those are people who have almost no operational experience. They're investors. That's all they are. These are probably the VCs, I, at least in my opinion, that will not thrive forever. Because to get to that level where you do understand what businesses really are and what they're not, you have to go away from the surface level knowledge of just comparing sort of ratios to each other. And you do have to understand what makes actually great businesses thrive and whatnot. And to be honest, man, I've been in this world for 10 years. I wouldn't tell you that I have all the answers. So you're probably not going to be a great VC investor with 24, 25 when you've barely ever had a job. Um, so what I think was going to change in one sentence, VCs will become more and more operationally driven because they need to become better at finding out and sniffing out the actual truffle and 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 understanding yeah. what the bullshit is and what it isn't. So this is actually one of the the you know things that were going through my head. So I mean I was I was not I was I was the helper. I was the right hand for the CEO going on the road with Falcon. So I was kind of uh, part of the Series A, the B, and you know whatever. Um, And then we always met those, you know, my aged, like yeah. people on the other side, <laughs> and and they were like uh, they had a career of being a professional banker. And you know what? At the time, I looked at their LinkedIn profile and was like impressed. Like, oh wow, Goldman Sachs, you know, for two yeah. years. You know, the the intern the summer intern program at I don't know Merrill Lynch and and whatever. And then they then they kind of joined as an associate at uh, I don't know Bessemer or whatever. 
And um, I'm like, who the fuck are you? Kind of that's actually what I'm thinking nowadays. It's like, what do you know actually? Because the the only thing they can know, which again, fantastic people, really really smart people, and they know their stuff, and their stuff is kind of not necessarily overlapping with my stuff. That's why I'm saying, who the fuck are you in this sense? It's like they will look at uh, what's your growth rate, what's your NRR, what's this, what's this, what this, but they won't, you know, they won't be able to sniff out if you are actually a good business, right? Um, and that is. That is, I think, something where also the VC industry, they're, they're just trying to scale. There's like, okay, you know, all of those GPs that had like a successful exit, difficult to come by. Really, ex They want to have like a big carry. They want to have like big chunk of the whole thing. And they're kind of lazy because they're like fat cats anyway. They have too much money laying around. So who's going to do all the grunt work? Well, it's, you know, it's probably someone else coming in. Um, yeah. And I think this is where some of the industry maybe also went in the wrong direction. I think actually, right? By kind of... Um, you know, going the banker route because, hey, these guys will be great running the deal, which they are, by the way. They're super, you know, organized. They, you know, they, they, they can talk to lawyers, you know, really, you know, the the, the white shoe lawyer firms. Uh, they can talk to, you know, the, 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 the other bankers that might be in the deal and stuff. But what they really suck at is sniffing out what is a good what is a good deal lo even look like, yeah. right? And then it's like, well, what's what's your job actually? Is it is it to run the deal? Is it to do the PMing? Or is it to find the next thing, right? And and I think this is where maybe VCs have kind of veered in the wrong direction and kind of optimizing for, oh, you know, we got all this deal flow. We need someone to process the stuff through. And ah, you can also have the initial couple of calls to kind of make those decisions, right? And and I think that's that's part of the wrong setup, actually. And so, I mean, you can, I, I don't think you can blame VCs for the fact that VC has become a sexy business and now all the graduates and high potential so-called will now want to go into VC because they think they're going to all be billionaires in there. So that's that's it's great that you have this inflow of talent, right? But the one thing that is a problem with that is that it fundamentally clashes with what a VC is actually going for. VC is a business where you almost always are trying to, it's called a fund returner, right? So we've talked about that before. You're trying to find mm, fund yeah. returners. You're going to have in a fund 10, 15, 20 investments, however many you're going to have. And one or two of those will be returning the whole fund if you're lucky, uh, or multiples of those, mm. right? So the Andreessen Horowitzes and the whatever, it doesn't matter, Baldertons and, and all these of this world, well, that's the smaller one, they've all been built on the back of a couple of businesses, not hundreds of Facebooks, but one yes. or two or three or four, it, once, once yeah. in a generation, right? Now, the game that all these analysts, and again, very smart people, very driven, very focused, all that, but the game that they're almost always playing is they're really trying to, to save their assets from making bad investments. And the way to do so is by mm. using those numbers that are telling you that at least, this, at least this business is making some money. It's probably not garbage, and the founders mm. probably have a little bit of an idea. And so they're, they're, that's why also people nowadays say that VCs are becoming more and more sheep, right? So they're all following each other, mm. and they're really trying to minimize the downside. Now, and yeah. I would also agree with that, although I would say that from the views of Project A, it, I wouldn't say it works exactly like that. But I would say the VC world is a world of sheep, typically, where people are mm. yeah. really trying to minimize downside and being wrong, which is exactly the opposite of how a VC actually works. Because as a VC, you need to be yeah. just right once or twice, but phenomenally right. And you, can, you don't care if yeah. 18 or 19 of those are, 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 are wrong, right? And in that world, yeah. you're not going for saving your ass and like trying to be this like in this corporate consultancy world where uh, you're not to blame and you sort of did right and you're trying to achieve the next level. 
but you're trying to be right and find do 20 bold investments where 19 of them could fail, but one time you had the rights, uh, you sniffed them out, right? And you invested in this Tony guy who knew how the world will look in 10 years, and he's going to build the next Salesforce. And to say one more thing, and I, to agree with you here as well, and that's my, my entire piece on that. I do think that a lot of it is driven by the people who do those investment decisions because how do you become, a, like, what do those people want? Do they really want to make great investments or do they want to make partner, senior analyst, senior investments associate, whatever? Well, don't be wrong too many times and you're probably okay. Like, how are those people incentivized and how are those people sort of being promoted by not fucking up too much? That's the world they've created and um, that's how they become partners. So that's the investments they make. Yeah. Raul, I think we kind of snaked our way through the whole topic and I think we kind of, you know, covered it all. Um, but I think this was, I don't know, what what was was this a one-on-one and like how VCs work, how kind of founders react to it? I, I think it was really just almost like a back and forth on on the on our different perspectives on this, on this, you know, building companies issue. Um, but I really enjoyed it. I learned a Me bunch. Too. Um, and whenever I have this feeling I learn a bunch. I know for a fact a lot of people, other a lot of other people will yeah. also. So I hope you I think, kind of I enjoyed the episode, everyone. Sorry, go ahead. The, the gist really is in one sentence: VCs are great. They're fucked up. Doesn't matter. Don't build your business after what VCs tell you. Just try to build a great business. Yeah. That's already hard enough, and you will get money, right? If you fail, whatever, do the next thing. But don't try to satisfy the VC. Build a great business. That's it. Easier said than done, though, Raul. Thank you, Raul. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, yeah, have a good day. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.